evening to all of you. L.A. Echo here, Trey Talk. Back with the follow-up to the Fed taper is a lie. I've noticed I've been doing a lot of two-part episodes these last uh, few few podcasts. Interesting. Anyway, not intentional. It just so happens that, um, like I was saying in the end of Fed taper is a lie, and no intent to make it too long. Actually, that's why it's happening. It's because I don't want to make episodes too long. I try to keep them uh, under 20 minutes. Usually I'm trying to get around 10 to 15 minutes at the most. But what does that matter? Let's get to the real thing of what you came here for, right? What is it that I discovered after realizing the Fed taper is a lie and this box, putting everything in a box, in my opinion, where you can now say, you know what the Fed is going to do. Now, can I say 100%? No, I don't know 100%, but I do know there's only a limited amount of moves that can be made. And what we're going to be discussing today, which is reverse repos, which are called repurchase agreements, that's what a repo is, is what I was speaking about many, many months ago, that the acceptance of higher prices would be the undoing of the market. Now, as you can tell, we're having a lot of price rejections. Doesn't matter that the market should gyrate a little bit. And we had an update today, uh, update today being um, August 24th, 2021. That's irrelevant. It is more so to the, to the, more so speaks to the point of indications from the Fed itself that there is challenges with the monetary policy and how it will address future issues, especially as it relates to tapering and and the obvious need to continue quantitative easing. So let's get into it, shall we? Um, really, the episode is saying in its thesis Repo and reverse repo will lead the way to a complex financial situation in which the government is going to have, the, the Federal Reserve is going to have to make a definitive decision. In this episode, you're going to find out that they've already made the decision. They're already doing it right now. This is what I was speaking about before when I would say, you won't know what's going to happen until it already happens to you. If anyone out there can even know what I'm speaking about and is ahead of the curve, I I commend you. But most people will not be ahead of the curve because this is all happening in treasuries and it is a shell game and very, it's not very nuanced, but it doesn't apply to the day-to-day market mechanics. However, what is happening is the architecture of what the market is going to be because that architecture is the financial policy. So let's get into it. What is a repo and what is a reverse repo? A repo means repurchase agreement. Uh, Think of a repo as uh, a form of short-term borrowing uh, from dealers in government securities, and they sell those government securities for cash overnight and then settle up over a short period of time. It could be overnight. It could be a week. You know, it doesn't. It generally isn't something that goes on for a year, but that is a repo. It's a repurchase agreement. It's an agreement to repurchase assets after getting cash, or vice versa. 
a reverse repo is that same concept in reverse. It's where you take cash for assets and vice versa, meaning you give back the assets for cash. Okay? But a lot of people will not understand that because it can be confusing since you've probably never heard of it in your life. So visualize with me for a second. Close your eyes and think about this like if you were looking at it on a chalkboard. Have the Federal Reserve on one side. Have banks and sovereign nations on another side. Draw a line from the Federal Reserve side to the bank side. That line, on top of it, put money. This represents the Fed giving the bank or the sovereign nation money. And then on the other side, the bank gives the Federal Reserve treasuries. So draw a line from the bank to the Federal Reserve. That is a standard repo, repurchase agreement. The other side of this is a reverse repo. This is a case where have your Fed on one side, have your sovereign nation or big bank on the other. In this scenario, the Fed gives treasuries to the bank and the bank gives the Fed money. I know this sounds pretty crazy, right? Well, those two things in layman's terms work like this. A standard repo is quantitative easing. A reverse repo is taking excess money and liquidity out of the market. One produces money, which is a repo. The other removes money from the market. Why does this matter? And why is this a very big point that I was making about what's happening right now? The reason this is so important, and this will be a complex kind of situation of explanation, is that the Fed has a situation where they're being told to taper, and even people within the economy are saying taper, inflation is running rampant. As I've covered prior, you have situations of where things are coming to a head, and people in the economy don't have stable jobs. Powell and Yellen have not gotten unemployment to where they want it. And it's being called that less money needs to be printed. Meanwhile, the markets, which are saying, hey, print less money, things are inflating, the market has decoupled from the reality of what's going on out in the real world. As I've said before in the other episode, but I have to re-say re it again, shipments are slowing. Unfulfilled orders are out there, meaning that there's orders for things that people need. Supply chains are still off in a bit. 
that has a lot to do with um, containers being held at sea due to COVID Delta virus or not even getting to docks yet. And um, inventories are being paid slowly, meaning people are taking longer to pay their accounts, uh, their accounts payable. This is a very tricky slope that the federal government is having to deal with. Excuse me, the Federal Reserve. The biggest crooks of that whole problem that's happening from shipments to supply to accounts receivable has to do with the short-term treasury yield. Why does it have to do with the short-term treasury yield? Well, you see, when we're sitting here and we're trying to, say, taper off the market, we want the long bond, the 30-year bond, to become stronger so things can normalize. The long bond being stronger is interest rates increasing. But to increase the interest rates is to push the equity markets down because interest rates up, equity markets down. They're, they work in inverse relation to each other. Rates and prices. The short-term treasuries, this is one-year treasuries and below, one-year maturity, are at 0.25. The Fed knows that the economy needs more liquidity, but with pressure of tapering, they have to, they had to, excuse me, not that they have to, they had to find a way to balance these things. How do we take liquidity out of the market taper the economy, but still have things hopefully running in a normal way. You come up with some financial engineering. You use the reverse repo. The other reason why this reverse repo is so important is because it, it delves into the concept of what I was speaking about where sovereign nations were, are not here to continuously buy low-yielding debt. No one wants the 30-year paper. It's not worth anything. And everyone wants safety because you can't, they can't tell if the market's about to fall off of a cliff due to the lack of volume. Again, reference the other episode about Fed taper being a lie. So what do you do? Buy short-term bonds, which are one-year treasuries. But there's an issue. You want to buy short-term bonds, sovereign nations need to put their money into, into some security because people say, why do you buy bonds? Security. Or you have to put your money in the bank. The bank doesn't want your money. We'll get to that point. So you have the one-year treasury. You have this issue where they want the 30-year to go up. You have where people still need money that you can't allow more QE to happen and turn your one-year treasury negative. You can't turn the one-year treasury negative. It's at 0.25 right now. Now, why is that? Because the U.S. is the global reserve currency. Having a negative short-term bond 
will completely cause a disaster in the economy. You cannot have a short term, uh, your one year bond go negative. And let me explain to you why that is, as it ties right into banks and having more cash than they want. Every time we do a stimulus, it puts more cash into people's bank accounts. Because people don't know what the current future outcome is due to evictions, due to uncertainty with employment, due to um, student loans deferred, due to wages not keeping up with inflation, people don't want to spend. Don't believe the hype that's being out here. Well, they're buying houses. No, the government is pretty much buying houses and people are just signing up if they fit the right criteria. They're overpaying and they're going to need to keep consistent jobs on a 10-year cycle if they're buying right now in order to get any profit out of that house. Because I can assure you, mark my words, homes bought now that everyone's saying there's still consumer demand, there's pent-up demand, homes bought now won't be able to be sold for a profit for at least 10 years. High prices are going to get rejected and they're already being rejected in the real time of government CPI numbers. So how do banks play into negative, the potentiality of a negative short-term bond? Because banks have money markets and you can't break the buck on a money market, meaning the yield from a money market may never go negative. This happened on savings and loans crisis. When banks have an overflow of money, it is a liability on their books. It is not an asset, contrary to what people think. Loans are assets on a bank's books because they make money off of loans. It is far too often told to you that the bank gets your money and they trade with your money. They do not do that. They cannot do that. Dodd-Frank stopped the ability to do that. Banks can trade with their own money. They cannot trade with your money. They can make banking transactions in loans with your money, but they can't go out here and do financial trading with your money. That is a lie. So they push investors with a lot of cash to go and buy one-year treasuries and below. If you do your own research, you'll come to see that one-year treasuries can also be interchanged with the word T-bills, but just think of a one-year treasury. It's easier that way. So since that one-year treasury is at 0.25, federal government, if doing more QE, cannot allow that to drop to a negative number, similar to what uh, President Trump wanted, and that's why Powell would never allow it. Maybe you can do that in Venezuela or uh, some other small country, but you can't do that to the global reserve currency where we must auction bonds to run a QE program. Again, what is QE as a what is a standard QE, which is standard repo? That is the Fed borrows money to banks. Banks give the Fed treasuries. This is what was talked about before when I was saying banks, uh, the Fed was willing to buy treasuries back 
at whatever the price, okay? So banks can't do that. Uh, sorry, the Fed can't do that immediately right now. And banks don't want the cash, so they put them in the money market funds. Money market funds are funds that hold and buy T-bills, one-year treasuries, interchangeable word, but one-year treasuries. Sovereign nations do the same thing. Short-term, one-year treasuries. They're buying these items, and the Fed is saying, okay, since we can't do that, how do we prop up short-term interest rates? Since we cannot just blindly continue to do QE to the point where rates become negative. Which brings us to what this episode's about. Reverse repo. Again, so you can understand what I mean by reverse repo. And understand why this is such a big deal in the market. And why it is going to be the indicator of what lets you know. Be safe with your money. Start shorting the market. Start positioning a short in the market. It's because it's abnormal. Let's visualize and go back to a visual visualization again. Reverse repo. The Fed is on one side. Banks and sovereign governments are on the other side. The Fed is giving banks and sovereign nations treasuries. And they are giving the Fed money. This is the reverse of how standard repo works. Again, standard repo is quantitative easing. It's where banks, it's, excuse me, it's where the Fed gives banks money. And those banks pay the Fed an interest rate. In this case, the Fed is giving banks treasuries and taking money from banks. Thereby, when it works in reverse, the Fed has to pay the bank an interest rate that is higher than what is out there, which is 0.25 for short-term interest rates. Since this is the case, it pulls liquidity out of the market, props up short-term interest rates, but sacrifices long-term interest rates, the 30-year note, and makes sovereign nations and banks not want to buy long-term paper. This is why banks are aware that mortgages and the values of homes are overvalued. This also lends to why it is very easy to see this is an abnormal occurrence in the marketplace. It can only be sustained if they can check unemployment. Or we will continue this carousel of trying to find balance with quantitative easing and tapering, which QE is, is a standard repo. A form of tapering or prepping for tapering could be said to be reverse repo. But it is not completely true because QE is still happening and it must happen.
but even more so, this episode and this example is meant to show you the proof of what I was saying before about why the government has to continue a loan program or stimulus program if they cannot maintain the unemployment rates. I'm sorry, to get them down, not maintain them, but get them to decrease, excuse me. When inflation gets worse, wages rarely go up. It's not an isolated situation that's going on in our markets. It's all interconnected from inflation to housing prices to orders that are unfulfilled, shipments that are unfulfilled within the supply chain. All of that is interconnected. All of it. And where you can see this also is in times prior to this market. And in times prior to this market, when wages weren't going up and inflation was going up, similar to what I I think I had said it in the prior episode, that decoupling happens within the numbers. And people do not pay attention to those numbers, but it is a real scenario. And then they they rear their head when you get the rejection of prices. So to save itself, the the Fed, and keep money markets from going negative, they prop up the one-year treasury note, and they'll come back to hopefully deal with the 30-year treasury note. It's an ugly scenario, but it's a true scenario. I know it's probably complicated for many people to quite understand. This is why a lot of people, institutional investors too, stand on the sidelines. It's too hard to gauge and too hard to, to keep up with. It's very tricky, but it is one of the most important concepts to understand right now of what's going on because It's happening right before your eyes. You just don't know what goes on. You ever notice they don't speak about treasury bond auctions um, with a lot of success anymore? Because the short-term yield on two-year paper, I'm sorry, one-year paper, one-year treasury yields is non-existent and could have gone potentially negative. And it can still go negative if it is not checked and forced to be what it is. You get these sovereign nations and these banks to participate by forcing them to have to, uh, excuse me, by forcing them to have to give the Fed money as the Fed gives them treasuries. That's how that's happening. It's enticing. Why is it enticing? Because they're going to pay me more than base rates, 025 for the treasuries. They're going to pay me more for it. The federal government's going to pay me more. So I know that this episode has been complex. Listen to it twice. And as I wrap up this episode, I want to keep it really simple so someone can understand. Markets are going to reprice. 
There's no way in hell before the end of the year, barring an executive order, is any stimulus coming to the market. And as the reverse repo shows you, they can't really even afford to do it until they stabilize the one-year treasury. That one-year treasury must be stabilized because the, the economy has a lot of excess liquidity. And it doesn't mean that it has to be necessarily be in individual people's hands. But in a lot of cases, it is because individuals are saving. But more so, it also, it's in institutions' hands. And those cash deposits are liabilities for institutions because they can't make loans from them. Why? Because they don't trust the, the, the um, valuations and everything that's going on in the economy. Government will make loans. The Fed and housing and FHA and all that, they will make loans. If you're stupid enough to take the loans, they'll make it. Banks have cut home equity lines of credit. The only way they're giving you some form of structured loan out of your, um, from most people, is if that person is willing to take a refinance of their mortgage, even when it comes down to personal loans, they have cut them dramatically. They won't give you as much as they used to before. Do you see how it all is interconnected as I was saying before? None of this is isolated. The markets are going to correct. And I don't care if it's crypto. I don't care if it's currency stock. It will all correct in uniform and you will see the risk-off event happen. It is joyous to see how many people don't quite understand what I'm saying because it may be too complex or it just may sound like mumbo-jumbo. But you will now come to fully understand why the macroeconomics of economic policy in itself matters so much to how you make your investing decisions. So people will say, well, what do I get into? Well, as I've told other people before, from a currency market standpoint, you already know the 30-year treasury can be shorted because it has to fall. They're suppressing its rate, its rate of return in favor of the one-year treasury. I've explained that. That's one hand right there. Prepping your shorts on the S&P 500. Another place. You've also seen you can't trade directionally. Volatility's gone. The volatility only lasts in um, the pharma stocks at the moment, which their numbers should be good coming into the next quarter. Consumer discretionary should be bad. If consumer discretionary stocks are inflated in their value, if internet stocks are inflated in their value, FANG stocks inflated in your value, you need to find your position to short. That's what's going down here. You may think it's early. Let the end of September, early October come along. And they haven't come up with a clear decision on the eviction moratoriums. There's no executive order giving people more money and they don't extend unemployment benefits. You will see it firsthand. Now, could they do all those things that I just said? There's rumblings for it to happen. But as I told you before in prior episodes of credit contractions, this administration's slow. They have 
no fire under them to do it quickly. They will wait until the last minute because they're trying to avoid it and they will fumble it. Infrastructure is their main priority. I hope that you listen to this two or three times. But more so, I hope that you're not in the way of being steamrolled and thinking it's sweet because it's not and you will learn it. Thank you again for tuning in. Always enjoyable to speak to all of you. L.A. Aco, signing out. Peace.